1: Megan and Tooney And Guest will make three Goddamn Army Mash minute. Welcome back to MASH Minute, where I usually don't sound this congested for the rest of the entire podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Tierney Steele. I'm Megan Coleman.
2: And I'm Hal Bryan, known as an airplane nerd from the Experimental Aircraft Association in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. And former and and once again co-host of the Rocketeer Minute.
1: Hal really took wood for the Movies by Minutes team. Being the first guest is always intimidating and you (laughs) we just decided to start with guests so that our theme song Megan and Tierney and guest will make three wouldn't be a damn dirty lie (laughs) (laughs) a a lot of shows have you start with just the two hosts so that they can get into a rhythm but why do that (laughs) Why do that we don't do things the easy way
2: I was gonna say that sounds easy and (laughs) you know if I have learned anything as a uh, as a seasoned veteran guest of the mash minute is you guys don't take the easy way out (laughs) <laughs> Not at all.
1: No. Ain't but one way out, baby. And uh, 70s reference. <laughs> we are a Movies by Minutes podcast. We talk about the movie mash, one minute of screen time per episode. And this is minute three. It starts with our credits still going. The opening song continuing as two helicopters approach the mash landing pad. And it ends with wounded men on litters being unloaded. To the surgeons of *The MASH*. So, for anyone who watched the TV show, which we talk about a lot, this should feel very familiar.
2: I wonder if you will ever have a guest who knows the movie but never saw the TV show.
1: Hmm. No one who's approached me yet has had that. So interesting. Well, yeah, that I feel would it's been be a lot of the other way around. Of right? That would yeah, be yeah that's that's the, the obvious trick. one. That would be. As a red-blooded American. Well, the the joke, I, I mentioned John Roderick on our last episode because I listened to the Friendly Fire podcast. They did an episode on MASH because, you know, spoiler alert, there are a lot of podcasts with the word MASH involved that are talking about MASH. We're the only movies by Minutes 1, though. We're really, we're, we're deep in it. it. But their episode about MASH as a war movie was fascinating because there are three co-hosts on there and two of them had never seen the movie or had seen it so long ago, didn't remember it. Wow. And hadn't grown up really watching. You know, the TV show was there. They knew what it was, but they weren't they weren't fans like Megan and I are fans. And John Roderick <laughs> was the one who said, oh, every American can do two minutes on what MASH meant to their lives. And his co-hosts are just like, uh, can't. <laughs> <laughs> but I've kind of used that as a way of getting to know our guests. You know, what are your two minutes on what MASH meant to you? How did this... How did the show? You mentioned watching the show growing up, mostly in reruns or catching up to to see the finale. And where are Hawkeye and Trapper in your hearts, Hal? Wow,
2: well they're uh, they're right there in the middle, uh, (laughs) next to a ventricle. That wasn't your question. So, (laughs) man, I uh, really really loved the show, especially sort of early on. As a kid, I wanted to be Alan Alda. I wanted to have that quick wit and insight and everything else. And I certainly remember, you know, one of the fondest memories would be knowing this was a show that my mom really liked. I lost my mom when I was pretty young. I was twenty two when she died and so thinking back to you know watching a show like this uh, with her that she looked forward to and we you know laugh at the right parts and you know get a little choked up at the other parts so that's probably what it is for me and then of course anything uh, my whole life anything that's got any flying in it was always cool so i love seeing the helicopters at the beginning and you know occasionally you'd see other airplanes you hear jets flying over you know there was the five o'clock charlie episode uh, you know, a little biplane circling around and things like that. So I always, uh, always look forward to that bit as well. And then, of course, as we've mentioned earlier, you know, winning bets on the playground that uh, the theme song <laughs> had a title and lyrics and was creepy and dark.
1: Speaking of creepy and dark theme <laughs> I song. I just set them
2: up for you every time.
1: We're, uh, <laughs> we're going to finish off our credits. Uh, next episode, we're going to have actual dialogue like brace yourselves whoa this. <laughs> uh, but this is quite a minute credits wise though because we have a lot we have a lot to work with here is the way i put it this is the end of our credits filmed in panavision <laughs> approved number 22275 motion picture association of america I feel like I really want this number to show up in other Altman films, but I doubt it does. You know, it it's his one one three eight.
2: Right. Oh, that's much better. It's that's funny. As I was gonna say, it's his "See You Next Wednesday," which is the John Landis thing. But oh, yeah. But then you came up with a number and a Star Wars reference, so I I just I failed so miserably. They're
1: in... they're all connected. There is no failing in movies by minutes podcast. <laughs> there are only happy accidents. <laughs> uh, let's see what else we have. We have Westrex system. Oh, we have the AFL CIO logo. Nice. I can't make out the writing under Thank it, me. but do do we feel okay with unions? I mean, Robert Altman <laughs> infamously hated extras. So,
0: <laughs> well, I mean, SAG's a what, union. Going on here? Yeah, that's
2: Yeah, you certainly can't uh, I don't think there there are movies and television without SAG and after and all the others. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't think they'd, uh, they would they would exist. A little bit of movie union trivia. This is the only piece of it that I've got. But basically, mm-hmm. the first uh, the first real organized union in the motion picture industry was for pilots. They, it was like the Movie Stunt Pilots Association or something very similar. Apologies for not having it exact off the top of my head. And I'm like because Frank wings Hawks. Came out? <laughs> because Yeah, because Wings came out, basically. And you know, like Frank Hawks and uh, Pancho Barnes is a famous character she's uh, depicted in the movie the right stuff but you had uh, you had directors sending up stunt pilots and in the 30s it was you know okay we need a we need a really good crash scene so just go take off and then go crash the airplane and you know <laughs> just do it in such a way that you'll live and eventually the pilots got together and said you know we need we need some rules we need a little bit of emphasis on safety and things like that and as i understand it, that was a very sort of first that set the precedent even for things like sag and uh, and all the other unions that came after
1: And we also have the 20th century Fox Film Corporation, which it's so funny because in my mind, all of a sudden I was like, I keep referring to this as a CBS sitcom. (laughs) Oh God, was that right? Because it's owned by Fox. Oh God, what have I done? And then it's like, okay, no, 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 Things, things overlap. It's okay. Sorry, okay. we're all good here. And we also have the copyright in Roman numerals, which was a big thing for me. My mom, I don't know if it's because she went to secretarial school or she just always had this ability, but it was a huge thing in my family to watch all the way through to the credits and see who could be the fastest to say what year it was. And it was always my mom. She Thank just you. could look at this string of Roman numerals and be like, it's this year.
2: That is so weird because my brothers and I would do the exact same thing. Honestly, <laughs> it's, it's it's, really it seems awesome. like I'm just pandering, but that's absolutely true. It was a huge deal. I was the first one in my family to so, to know that they all started an MCM and what that meant. Mm-hmm. And you didn't have to worry about that. Skip yeah. that. Save time. You know, get to the meat of it.
1: <laughs> that's, that's the trick is is learning that first bit. <laughs> yeah, luckily for us movies, you you could do that. And oh, oh God. And the first ones that were like. See, copyright, MM. Oh, that <laughs> just, was so cool.
2: I, uh, just MM. I was like, where's yep. the rest of it?
1: Yep. that's all. That's all there is. This is crazy. We live in the future. <laughs> <laughs> I will just throw out there, I'm constantly plugging other podcasts. Our listeners will get used to that. Just to bring us all back down, not quite as far as we were last episode, but pretty far down, there is a podcast called Don't Tell the Babysitter Mom's Dead that interviews people who have lost their mother relatively young in life that's very interesting like it's a super sad premise for a podcast but it's done really well which I immediately always think of and you know what you don't get as many opportunities to bring that up organically yeah that's true I just thought I would throw that out there while we're still talking about these things and when I was like oh yeah my mom we would always It was a big thing. She always could get it faster. My sister and I were just like, our mom is magic, guys.
2: (laughs) (laughs) She could go back in time to Rome and she could she could buy (laughs) things. She'd know like what time it was or whatever.
1: Uh, And then we get the credit for a screenplay by Ring Lardner Jr., who won an Academy Award for this screenplay.
2: Was that the only award that this movie won? I, I remembered screenplay, but I'm not it sure about others.
1: nominated for a lot. I think it's the okay. only Academy Award that it won. Uh, sure. And even then, did you guys come across this trivia where it's like, this is one of those, we couldn't give you an Academy Award for things that should have won the Academy Award, so... Here
2: you go. <laughs> so we'll give it to you for this. Here's the.
1: Well, is it like when George Clooney one year got best supporting
0: actor, and he got up and the first thing out of his mouth was, "So I guess I'm not getting best director," <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> or something Are, to that. If, or or,
0: or, or when he that. did that uh, Edward Morrow film there. Yeah, the the good night and good yeah, luck. That's it, yeah, uh, yes.
1: Yeah, uh, he was he was blacklisted. He was oh god, what was the name of their little gang there? I've completely forgotten. But he wrote a lot of things that were, you know, Oscar winners. But because he was blacklisted, he did not Mm. appear on them. And so he could not be nominated for anything. And so a lot of people have posited that winning for the MASH screenplay was really just a chance for him to win at last. Mm. And there's a lot of controversy of, did he write this movie? Oh, really? I mean, he did. He wrote. He wrote the screenplay for Bash. But at the end of the premiere, he said to Robert Altman, "Not one word of what I wrote was on screen." And both oh. he and Altman have backtracked and forward tracked and backtracked again over the decades. Over, because you can look at what's on paper and say, "Oh yeah, like they really kind of ran with this." There is a lot that was improvised on the set or posited on the set and then added to infamously. Hot Lips Suleyhan was supposed to leave after a certain scene will get there. And she just doesn't. She's just in the rest <laughs> of the movie. They just kept going. I mean, it was amazing. And it works. So there's argument one of Ring Jr. did not intend for her to be anywhere in the rest of that movie. Wow. It's kind of so, significant.
2: <laughs> that's interesting. So Sally Kellerman then, of course, Loretta Swit yeah. owe him. Or oh, Maybe Loretta Swit owes... Yeah. Yeah. Somebody owes somebody something.
1: Yeah.
2: yeah. Darn it. You know what I mean.
1: <laughs> yes, it, it's a really fascinating, and we will get into that as we go along. But at the same time, it's there. I mean, this movie is based on a book. Mm-hmm. And so this whole idea of Radar being Radar, yeah, Robert Altman is infamous for having people talk over people, but how much of that is a Robert Altman thing? How much of that is Gary Berghoff and... Uh, Roger Bowen being able to do it how much of that is it does say that you know how much of it is Richard Hornberger sitting there knowing a guy who could do this and how much of it is Ring Larder Jr. sitting down being like how do I convey this in screenplay format type 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 type
2: Speaking of Gary Berghoff, just quickly, have either of you, as I haven't, and I've always, always been curious about it, but I've never dug that deep for it. Have either of you seen the pilot for Walter?
1: Um, yes.
2: (laughs) There was a lovely pause there. Not
1: yet. (laughs) But, um, yes. Yes. Perhaps our (laughs) listeners should keep coming back and eventually.
2: (laughs) So you'll talk about that later then.
1: Yeah. yeah we can but, okay. about that later. Yeah. if you have thoughts, we do not stand on spoiler ceremony. Oh uh, well that's because, understandable. Like, we my, want our guests to feel free to talk about whatever they want to talk about.
2: My thoughts are that based on the descriptions it sounds terrible. I've never seen it, but I'm I confess to a certain slightly more than idle curiosity.
0: I found one <laughs> like it I was got. clearly like a bootleg YouTube bad like someone filming it on mm-hmm. like off a of TV kind of like someone had it on VCR or something and like that was the only way they could like save it quote unquote right. and it just kind of made me want to cringe it's not bad bad but it wasn't really great either and i think it's cuz like cuz i you know i love mash and i love gary burdoff that the script wasn't all that great I don't think. It's, so it was just sort of like, but I know you can do better, but oh god, okay, like but I'm watching, but I'm not watching,
2: like
1: watching through your hands kind of a thing. Gotcha. Some things happened after MASH that maybe didn't need to have like the
2: show after mash maybe
1: (laughs) actually someone asked me before they realized that
0: we were doing the movie not the television show Mm -hmm. they asked Uh. me if i was going to do after mash after we finally got through (laughs) season 11. were we going to tackle after mash and i was like wait you know about after
1: mash like (laughs) 84 years since megan and i began podcasting (laughs) <laughs> We've covered the TV show one it's... minute at a time.
2: Oh, my gosh. And now
1: we will talk about aftermath. <laughs> to be fair, <laughs> I've owned Jamie Farr's autobiography since I was 27 years old. <laughs> <laughs> nice to
2: get a good strong glimpse into the future.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, right. My kid's gonna be like, Really, mom, you're still doing this? Yeah, shut up. <laughs>
2: Our yes. kids are gonna be yeah.
1: so sick of us doing this by the time they're <laughs> and, old enough
2: to say it. And your great grandkids are gonna be sick I of just, it. know, right?
1: Yeah. right? They're gonna be yeah. like, like, So, listen, great grandma, like, she's okay, but like, oh, man. <laughs> Another backbone of the Minutes by Movies community is Tom Taylor. Uh, let's just say of the okay. Indiana Jones Minute, but of many. And I keep joking that his son needs to start a support group for children of podcasters.
2: <laughs> children of podcasters.
1: <laughs> they, just, so. they need to know that they're not alone in this <laughs> and that it's going to be okay. We've had a glimpse into the future. Let's take a glimpse into the past. Produced by Ingo Preminger. I hope I'm saying it right because I'm going to keep saying it. He was really kind of the backbone of getting this movie made, it sounds like.
2: And he didn't do a ton of other things, though, other than... His, his brother was much more prominent, auto-premiser. Yeah,
1: yeah, like the family. There's a family there where you think like, oh, yeah, he did all this stuff. And then you look and you're like, hmm, okay. Yeah.
2: So he did that then.
1: Yeah. But yeah. He's, he's a delight in all the interviews that I've watched about this. And then directed by Robert Altman. Ta-da. We made it. <laughs> I feel like I need to insert some an audio clip there. Like, And Robert Altman, infamously, is part of New Hollywood, the director as artiste. We could say a, a Robert Altman thing of talking over each other. And when you look at New Hollywood, it's like, oh, Steven Spielberg, George Lucas, Francis Ford Coppola, Martin Scorsese. Robert Altman is not in their generation. He was not at USC doing student projects with these guys. Robert Ullman actually flew in World War One. He is of another generation, but...
2: World War Two. but... Like, oh, but my God. Yes.
1: I, was like, wait, well, I, was we I was like, wait, is it really...
0: Rolling,
2: <laughs> it was going great, and I'm sorry, I didn't want to interject, but it's I, okay, know, it's okay.
0: You're just, just trying to prove that he's a lot older than these guys, he is, he's has not that much older exactly. than these guys. He experiences oh. that these guys don't have,
1: but because MASH was his breakout feature film, what got him on the map, what got studios to give him money to make them movies, he became associated with this anti Vietnam War new Hollywood thing because. 20th Century Fox had Ring Lardner Jr. write them a script and Ingo Priminger produce a movie that was going to be along the lines of Hogan's Heroes, <laughs> Catch 22. There have been wars that, there have been war movies that question war. Obviously, from the beginning, I've referenced Wings on this podcast. Already, yes, you did. Okay. Yes. They did not expect this. This movie, filmed over the summer of 1969, and was released in 1970, and they got a lot more than they bargained for in uh, Vietnam iconography. But, but that's another question: Is it Vietnam War iconography mm-hmm. in 1970?
2: That's a good question. Mm-hmm. You know, all we talked on earlier episodes about the mood of the time and everything else. And the one thing I can say, sort of being a kid in the 70s and then you know high school in the 80s, if you wanted to convince your English teacher you were smart every single book report every story everything you read or ever talked about uh, you found a way to declare that it was a an allegory for the Vietnam War and and they would nod sagely and kind of rub their chins and and think that you were some kind of insightful genius and so you just kept that in your back pocket and you just waited for just the right time and I was like well I really feel like catcher in the rye at the end of the day it's it's about nothing but the Vietnam War. You know, the great Gatsby, totally about the fall of Saigon. You just find ways to do it, and they would buy it every time. Dang. Mm. I hope none of my former English teachers, at least one of whom I'm <laughs> friends with on Facebook, is, um, uh, which is which is fascinating and fun. Um, hopefully, none of them are listening. That's
1: right. If not, you know what? It's too late for them to revoke it. The statute of limitations. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's card passed. God.
2: <laughs> I'm not going to get a revised port car- a report card from yeah. 1983.
1: A big thing. They, they talk about that c- c- helicopters. It was a <laughs> <Yes>. thing. <laughs> uh, uh, Vietnam no, is was. the first quote unquote televised war. The whole thing of the nightly news showing people being unloaded from helicopters.
2: Right, exactly. And it, it, Vietnam was the first super helicopter war. I mean, they started World War Two. they earned their keep and then some in in Korea, but, but Vietnam just really brought that home. And, you know, how weird it was to think back to, you know, World War II, you went to movies once a week, and you saw a newsreel that was shot a month or three months earlier to sort to find out what was going on, and you got your news on the radio. And then by the time Vietnam, as you said, it's the first televised war, we're seeing that on the nightly news. And of course, now we see when people are paying attention, our wars are televised, they're tweeted and everything else. And I I have a uh, I have a half nephew-in-law, so you can tell how, how close we are, who uh, served in Afghanistan, and we were able to FaceTime, you know, mm-hmm. from war, which is just which is just mind-boggling. But that that was the big thing with Vietnam was all of a sudden people are looking and saying, wait a minute, this, you know, war is is kind of icky and and gruesome and dirty and bloody and everything else, and and that th- that obviously led directly to to people questioning it and protesting it.
1: Yeah. I have a very visceral memory of a friend who was in Afghanistan as well had a photo album and people were like so creeped out and there was a pic... It was one of those things where it was like, should you have photos of this? And there was a dead cat in one photo, and we were like, we shouldn't be more upset about the cat than the people, but we're more upset about the cat. What the hell is wrong with you that you took that picture? Oh, that or, like, would be me, though. Or, crop that out. Yeah. And he had, a he specifically, and I don't remember his name, so I can't get him in trouble, and I don't know if he's friends with his English teachers, but he said, I shouldn't have this, but I do, and he had night vision video footage of a strike, and, like, you could oh, actually wow. watch, like, watching things get colder. And it was just, and we're like in an apartment basement in 2005 at a part, And like, we're at a party. I mean, like, it's getting hot in here is probably playing upstairs. (laughs) And we're watching (laughs) a strike in Afghanistan. It was so surreal. But I was trying to find actual news footage broadcasts. And I, I found a couple that I can share online but I stumbled across the Vanderbilt News Archive. It's uh what's the main website? tvnews.vanderbilt.edu And then you can go into all the different things. You can request a loan of this video. There's all these things or you can view things on site. If your college or university can become a sponsor. So it's not open to the public, but good God, this looks amazing. And Megan and I are both librarians who appreciate a good archive. Oh, yes. oh really? And this archive oh, and looks and you're both banned. history majors. So. Oh, yeah. And Man. I was a military history major, which is why when the guy found out about that, he said, come downstairs with me. And, yeah. The television, the Vanderbilt Television News Archive began recording broadcasts on August 5th, 1968, with a mission to create, preserve, and provide access to the news broadcasts from the U.S. National Television Networks. So I was tooling around in there, but I couldn't access them. But it's it's so funny because I'm watching, you know, the NBC Nightly News and it does. It's like, here's what's going on in Southeast Asia. <laughs> they mention a lot of things studying the MASH opening will say, oh, and the colors, the colors look like Vietnam. You know, it's, it's blue sky, brown hills, green fatigues and red blood.
0: <laughs> and those are
1: kind of the, the elements. But I would just like to say I'm a child of the 80s and I remember it being a big deal that we got a color television. Like, I mean, I was really young and plenty of people had color televisions, but not that many people had color televisions.
2: (laughs) Right. And yeah, I mean, I remember, seems like I can remember us always having sort of our main TV being in color, but when, you know, when I was old enough and uh, ostensibly mature enough to have a TV in my room, it started as black and white. Mm. And that was, that would have been like very, very early 80s probably. Yeah. And then we had things like the, I never had one. We had things like the Sony Watchman, which was this thing like the size of a brick that had a tiny TV screen in it. And I think those, <laughs> I think those started in black and white before they went to color, but I could be mistaken.
1: Oh, that makes sense.
2: And now we just all have computers in our pockets and can watch anything we want anywhere all the time.
1: True. How far we have come. The future's <laughs> crazy, yo. <laughs> <laughs> crazy That's,
2: that does sum it up
1: this is considered an anti-vietnam war movie it's going to be pretty obvious and I, I again i say that as a kid who i one of my first toys was a little toy huey that i was obsessed with i mean they made toys from the tv show that i would have loved to have that kept mocked on the star wars minute group <laughs> <laughs> of like why would you have toys of mash like the Hawkeye action
2: figure. And I'm like, Hey, right. i was really excited to get my Hawkeye. Action figure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The mash toys. I used to, I used to have an antique collectible toy business. My wife and I did. And I'm always, I will always be a toy nerd, but you saw a lot of the mash stuff and what we call rack toys, which are the literally hang on a spinning rack, sort or of near the checkout counter and stuff. Yeah. And they're lower quality. And uh, there's a company called Imperial, best known for Super Balls and stuff, but they would make action figures for anything and they would reuse the molds and everything else. Like you could buy, they'd make the Planet of the Apes skydivers, which nobody remembers an orangutan in a parachute from Planet of the Apes because it never, ever happened and it would have made zero sense. But you could buy one because it said Planet of the Apes on it. It was a cool thing to have. And they had all, I don't recall for sure if it was Imperial or not, but it was them or another rack toy company that did some of those first M.A.S.H. action figures and then the other weird merchandise tie-ins, like we talked about the mash beer, and you know, in a <laughs> recent episode, I get people are looking and saying, "Okay, the show is super successful; everybody loves it. We've got to exploit that and make merchandise." But it's it is sort of an odd an odd thing. I mean, the helicopters make perfect sense; a little jeep or something makes sense. But some of the tie-ins just got crazy.
1: All right, here's a fun round robin. What's the weirdest mash thing in your house at this exact second? The wait that I actually own. Yeah. Like, what, what's, what's, if someone was like, you're not a crazy MASH fan, you'd be like, hold my MASH beer. <laughs> hold my MASH <laughs> cup that says copyright 20th Century Fox on the bottom of it.
2: Mm.
0: And I have a 1983 MASH trivia book.
2: Ooh. That's pretty cool. You beat mine.
1: I have the new FAQ. I have the trivia game. Megan Whoa. and I can play. Oh wow! A mash television show trivia we could game, our like poor Trivial Pursuit, but not because <laughs> it's not copyright infringement. It's totally different. It's Totally it's... different.
2: <laughs> That's really funny. And now I'm wrecking my brain, mm. trying to think what, if anything. Uh, I mean, mine is probably something sort of more eth- ethereal, like, like maybe the weirdest mash thing in my house at this moment is my presence on this show. <laughs>
0: There you go. Um, (laughs) Fair. There
2: would be that. I I might still have like a couple of the 37 plastic bags I wrapped the mash beer in or that if (laughs) so, if it exploded in my suitcase, it wouldn't be the (laughs) end of the world. That's going to be a good question uh, for you to ask future guests, uh, Apollo 13 Minute co-host, my colleague here in Oshkosh, Chris Henry. He has a lot of weird mash things in his house. So maybe my knowledge of, of his weird obsession is also another strange thing that I have.
1: There you go. I don't still have i would never get rid of these the we made a mash sign for a mash theme party that included some of the ones from the show the signpost but also the hometowns of everyone that attended the party oh and then we actually got out our little compass app because that's what year it was and like worked out what direction they should all be in and the miles to everywhere so those are pretty treasured but i also have from that party we had themed food and beverages <laughs> and I kept the little printouts I made. So it's like how to make a better dead than red vodka martini with the, <laughs> you know, measurements of mm-hmm. things. And I think Megan, that I am going to in some way auction those off to our listeners. All right. I haven't quite figured out what, what mode this will take if trivia questions will be involved if random number generators will be involved how we will do this but i have i have you know our spam lamb sign that we made and <laughs> our french it's... toast do you want to pinch it or should i <laughs> and i i think yeah because i i was marie condoing i was con things and i was like i should get rid of these and then i was like Tierney, you have a MASH podcast. <laughs> These could be a little like bonus thank you gifts or something.
2: Or priceless artifacts. Exactly. Really.
1: So if you want to own a piece of MASH Minute, we will have that coming to you. I haven't quite formulated it yet in minute three how that will happen, but by minute 116, we'll know we, will do, we will do that.
0: <laughs> What's up?
1: You know what I've What's always wanted—that mm. I've seen on eBay—and
0: it's kind of weird. And I don't think I'd actually buy it, but there's a part of you that's like, well, you never know. They there's apparently mash gin and bourbon decanters that look like IV dispensers. Oh, there you go. Like the oh, I've like seen the gin. There's a bourbon one too, apparently. <gasps> oh, that's so you. <laughs> right? The bourbon one is so me. Um, I'm not a big gin drinker but yeah it's like one of those weird like tv tie-ins that someone's like you know what we need because i drink a lot <laughs> drinking accessories <laughs>
2: they would try anything and that's exactly. most of that's thanks to uh you know thanks to george lucas and he showed what merchandise could do you know could do for a movie exactly where real money is made <laughs> right
0: yeah right oh there's some weird yeah there's some weird stuff on eBay <laughs> when you put in mash 407.7 just to make sure you you know are getting the right mash right.
1: Yeah, if you have weird stuff, please please share it on our Facebook group. We love seeing things like that. I, I, honestly, I would have gotten rid of Facebook, but I need I need my hit man of weird <laughs> podcast listener groups, and we are online at the Mash Minute lis- Post Up Listeners Ward. It's a closed group but that's to keep out like spam. Not of the spam lamb variety. Yeah. If you Thank made you. a spam lamb, oh my god, share it. We love these things. Um we did not build a lamb of spam. We sliced the spam and then I had a lamb cookie cutter and we cut out little lambs so they were little <laughs> spam lambs. And actually they were delicious. So take that. They weren't that common. Bad. No. Really? no. I mean, that might be some of the better dead than Red Martini's talking, but they were (laughs) delicious, Salty goodness. (laughs) (laughs) We also lurk in other various podcast listeners groups. Um, I have not listened all the way through to The Rocketeer. It was one of those where I was really interested in the podcast, but since I hadn't seen the movie, I was like, I gotta wait. Sure. And, and make this an experience. I'm doing the same <laughs> thing with Alien. I heard that is like the Movies by minutes to listen to if you're super into filmmaking. Oh, excellent. But I definitely want to have seen the movie right. before watching
2: it. Well, definitely watch The Rocketeer and listen to uh, listen to Jim and I just plow our right way through that. We, In addition to, uh, for The Rocketeer men in addition to cast and crew and special effects people, I mean, we, we interviewed a director who had auditioned for a role in the movie and didn't get it, but went on to direct some really interesting stuff. We talked to pilots and historians and scientists and engineers. It was so much fun and I will always be really, really proud of the just crazy variety of guests that we got.
1: It's so much fun. and thank you so much for joining us. Like I said, we're gonna we're gonna send Hal off we're gonna free him. <laughs> from from this um we always ask our guests you know if, is there anything in this movie that you wanted to talk about that we didn't touch on
2: boy that's a that's a, a great you question and
1: some Gary Berghoff fandom <laughs>
2: well yes and you know but but that I know that you guys will get to and I don't have anything special to offer there I just remember when I found out that there was something unusual about Gary Berghoff. no spoilers unlike that whole Stevens thing that I blew up uh, earlier <laughs> um uh, and then just like then you have to go back and we re- rewatch the show, rewatch the movie, and say, wait a minute, oh my gosh, you're right. But uh, but you know we we really hit it. It's yeah. uh, it's 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 helicopters. It's uh, it's war. It's satire. It's all of those I, good things.
1: I was reading some stuff about Gary Bargoff researching for this podcast that made me go a little ooh And then I I was like, you know what? I'm I'm over it. I'm very cynical about this whole Mash thing. I'm just gonna totally change my tune and be critical. And then I was watching my kid just discovered Sesame Street. It's like <laughs> this is the best thing ever. And there was an episode with Big Bird's teddy bear who is named Radar. And I was just immediately transported back where I'm like, it's in my heart. I can't I can't help it. Mash is just always gonna have that whole place, and we're gonna man. We're going to talk about the Vietnam War, and we're going to talk about misogyny, and it's going to be a whole thing, but I can't help it. The minute Big Bird referred to his teddy bear's radar, I was like, oh, yeah, because of M.A.S.H.
2: That's amazing. (laughs) I, I would not have known that about Big Bird. That's cute.
1: Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things. It gets in your heart. It gets in your head. And if you're listening to this podcast, we get in your ears. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. I you know what, if this was an actual like television show or whatever, we would do a few more takes of that with some different inflection points, but I'm just going to leave it. That is that. Hey, it's <laughs> podcast, podcasting without a
2: net. That's fine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we will be back tomorrow with more mash with Minute 4 and with a brand new guest for you to get to know, but until then, that is all. <gasps>